Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Robin Lichetti. Howdy. And Louis Monzon. Hello guys. How are you guys doing this week? Uh, cold and uh, there's more load shedding. Stage like, four. Continuous. Like I heard there's another cold front on the way. Yeah. Oh cool. We're so more load shedding. Yes. <laughs> Even more load shedding than before. Um, right, so instead of going through a news story each this week, um, seeing as Samsung threw the uh, covers off of its latest smartphones, we thought we'd, uh, we'd, we'd talk about that for a while. Um, I, let's start with just a general discussion. Um, I think we can all agree that once again, Samsung botched the launch of a smartphone. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the reports that literally a few hours before the Unpacked event, uh, the specs of both handsets went live on their website. Oh, really? That? Yes. Yeah, I know. They're always, they're, they're those like controlled leaks. Yeah. But, oh, that sounds... Uh, yeah, so literally like, I think it was two hours before, um, uh, what's his name, TM Rowe. Mm. Uh, went on stage and uh, the specs had leaked. Well, I'm sure that whoever did that, made that mistake has been... Uh, Dismissed. Yeah. So um, uh, that kind of leads to my question. Um, was were you guys surprised by the news from Samsung? Was anything did anything impress you? Um, while I think a lot of what other publications and stuff are saying is that oh the phones are kind of more of the same, mm. you know. I think the what Samsung has done is kind of maybe they haven't reinvented the wheel, mm. but they've definitely refined the wheel. For the new yeah. for the new foldables, um, it's like they're every every time every iteration they get better and better and better, especially in the form factor. Um, one thing that really imp- kind of impressed me was the technology, just like the how fine the engineering is on the hinge yeah. of, the, of the of the Flip Five. Um, now that it folds perfectly, which is a big thing, apparently. Apparently, yeah. Samsung told us that people really didn't like that it, the previous one didn't fold completely. And that was like, you know, people were furious about that for some reason. And now it folds completely. Um, so I, I think for th- in that sense, it's really cool. Um, but there's another thing about the Flip 5 that kind of is weird. And uh, I'll kind of... Uh, I'll, I'll say what I think and I'll, I'll, I'll send it off to you guys. Okay. So the Flip 5 has a bigger cover screen. Yeah. The, flex, the flex window, I believe it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, f- several times during the, you know, the launch events and stuff like that, the Samsung uh, people, the heads or whatever, yeah. would say, you don't even, now with the big cover screen, you don't even have to flip it open, right? Yeah. And for me, that kind of defeats, defeats the purpose of a foldable phone, right? Yeah. I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think like with the um, the fold, like having that cover display on the outside mm. makes sense because you don't always want to have to open up the phone. Yeah. And I also think that that was kind of Samsung's way of saying, yeah, don't, maybe don't open it so many times because mm. it's only rated for so many uh, folds. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have an opinion here. Um, I really like the Flip Five. <laughs> I was um, I've been a bit um, anti-foldable for a long time, uh, and I really do actually like the design of the Flip Five. I think that the flex window makes a lot of sense. When you are opening up the phone, it is for one of two things: either to uh, watch videos 
Yeah. Or kind of if you need a, a bit more real estate, which I don't really think you need. I mean, they were showing off some of the features. Mm. Um, it just kind of really depends whether or not the application you want to use is kind of geared towards uh, use on the Flex window. Because I think uh, they, there was mention of only 13 applic yeah, core kind yeah. of applications yeah. that will be able to kind of work on there uh, in, in, as far as multitasking is concerned. Um, so, yeah. Um, for one of the rare occasions, I'm actually uh, quite intrigued by the by the Flip Five. I think in past iterations, they felt a bit too iterative. Mm. Um, but again, that said, if I had a Flip Four, I wouldn't be jumping to get a Flip Five right now, especially when you consider it costs ten thousand rand more, which yeah. I'm sure we'll discuss a bit later. Um, but yeah, for me, the, I think the Flip 5 is the more compelling of the two devices. I can see why Samsung was kind of all the rhetoric around the, mm. the, the, the event itself and the themes was all Flip related. And I can kind of see why I think it is a more interesting prospect than the Fold is right now. I think we've always kind of mentioned the fact that foldables that get more compact, that get smaller, are far more in interesting than ones that just get bigger. Yeah. So I, I kind of prefer the Fold, um, and I like that they've started to invest more in terms of the software. So things like the taskbar, I think, is a really clever idea. Yeah, that was really cool, yeah. Um, where your four most recently used apps are quickly accessible from that taskbar. Like, I think that's just a really clever idea for this form factor of phone. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I really like is things like two-handed navigation. So, like, you can hold something mm -hmm. while you, you swipe to the window that you're trying to paste it on or whatever, which I think, again, is really, really clever um, and has just been something that's been held back by software. Yeah. Um, also, like, like you mentioned, uh, Louis, like a lot of publications are saying that it's more of the same, but I think that that betrays a lot of the under-the-covers work that Samsung has done, particularly with the hinge, with its um, the, the chassis, the build of these devices. I mean, we shouldn't lift our nose at the fact that these are IPX8 rated now, so that means that they can withstand like an accidental spill or drop in the water, which is a big deal for phones like this. When mm. like the first ones that launched, if you got a bit of dirt in the hinge, it would mess up the screen. So. I think they've come a really long way and saying that, oh, it's just it's an iteration of last year's betrays how much work Samsung has done here. And sure, it's small, but I think that it helps them in the long run making devices that are potentially more trusted by, uh, by consumers. Yeah, I think I was uh, chatting to another publication at the event and they kind of, mentioned, they kind of asked me like, what, what I think the next evolution is. Mm. And... For me, I don't think that uh, foldables necessarily have to evolve. I think now that we're at the point, or at least Samsung at least is at a point, considering it's like the biggest player in the mm. market and has done the most works to date. Um, it's now at a point where we need to start seeing this technology percolate down to a more affordable price point. I mean, you take, for example, the Galaxy A series. Mm. Samsung, to its credit, and I, I very rarely give a smartphone company credit, but to its credit, the Galaxy A series is, in my view, hands down, the best like, value for money smartphone experience. Mm -hmm. um, if, any, if, any, if, any, if anyone come asks me, like, what phone should I get? I ask them, for, what's your budget? And I say, okay, find the appropriate Galaxy A phone yeah. to, like, that kind of fits that budget because 
it kind of ticks all the boxes. You know you're getting good quality. And as far as technology and performance goes, um, it's very hard to beat other uh, for other op- other options in that same kind of class to kind of beat uh, what Samsung has to offer. So the user experience really is mm. like it's really good. Yeah. So they kind of, they've kind of nailed down that kind of bringing flagship experiences down to the mid range. So now I want to see how they're able to do that with foldables. If they can start doing that, I think that's kind of where the evolution needs mm. to take place. So. Yeah, sorry. Dude. I was going to say the foldables are flagships in their own uh, way, right? They yeah. have flagship. Yeah, yeah, specs wise, they're yeah. up there with yeah, like yeah, some yeah, of the right. ultra models. Um, they just have the extra added, uh, the foldable capabilities. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be interesting to see if they manage to get it down. And honestly, at this point, I don't know how. I think a lot of uh, the prices on the foldables could be the engineering itself, the foldable aspect. Um, also, it's basically two screens instead, mm. of, instead of one. And um, so. What, I don't know what they'd have to do to kind of bring the price down. I know what they need to do though next is a folding tablet. Just not with a cover display, just a yeah. tablet that folds. If Like if they take that S, the Tab S9 which they unveiled and unpacked as well which is almost a 15 inch tablet which is the size of a notebook at this point. Yeah. Like fold that in half. Not Galaxy Z Tab. Z Tab X. I like... <laughs> Next year is the time. Bring me a folding tablet. Like nobody else is doing that. And I think it's the perfect sort of application for that technology. But my thing is like, what's the purpose of a folding tablet? What added benefit are you getting from the fact that it folds? Fits in my pocket. And that's it. Just that's the it. pocketability. Just pocketability. I mean, that's the reason that the flip is doing so well because it's pocketable. It's literally packed, folded up, put it in your pocket. It's small, it's compact, and it's powerful. Now, if I could have that in a tablet, mm. cool. Especially with this cool little flex hinge that they now have where you can open it to like certain degrees. Yeah. So imagine sitting on an airplane and you've got your little tablets. And it looks like you're just reading a book. Then it, would it just not be a, a larger version of the Fold 5 or, you know, of the Fold Samsung, you know? Yeah, like potentially. I know there's definitely something to say about the folding time and you think it's the, obvi- it's the obvious next level, right? Mm. Just bring the Fold to all of your, all of your, you know, your, your, your products, Yeah. right? And I think there was rumors or, you know, leaks that Apple was looking at maybe a folding tablet or something like yeah. that before they even, even considered doing a foldable phone. And obviously, people would be excited about hearing about a foldable tablet. But my thing is, and even, and even for the foldables itself, maybe I'm a foldable cynic, <laughs> you know? Maybe. Um, like, what... What are the other than how cool it is? Because it is cool, and I and I was I was had the, the 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 new phones in hand, and I'm this is really awesome, and the way you can stand them up, and the way you can yeah. move, them. and it honestly does feel cool to fold it and open it. But other than that, what benefits do you get? I mean, if we remove the coolness of the folding, we have nothing. I'm gonna be honest with you because, like, at the end of the day, both of these phones are Samsung Galaxy S23s. Yeah. Right. Because it's the same specs as both of those phones. Uh, or that series of phones. I mean, there's nothing much different here. If you take away the Fold, you just have the Galaxy S23. Mm. So the Fold is the, the, the thing. It's the USP, the unique selling point, right. is that it folds. And that, oh, look, it folds and unfolds. And it catches people's attention. Mm. It really does. Yeah. Like, if you have one in your hand and you just put it on the table, people are like, oh, what's that? Yeah. And a whole conversation spark. So I think that's what the cool factor of it is. Yeah, we also have to kind of keep in mind this: these phones aren't for everyone. Mm. So they're for Gen Z. Yeah, um, 
<laughs> Again, I'm not too sure how they're going to be selling it to Gen Z. Uh, as a millennial, I don't have the money for this. But uh, yeah. let, let, let's talk about that price. Um, so the Flip 5 will retail for 29999 when it launches on uh, 25th August, correct? Yeah, so yeah, pre-orders go live. So there's, pre, there's a pre-registration Pre-interest. Phase. Yeah, I, I, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, no, this is just marketing teams working overtime. So this is before you can even pre-order. It's yeah. kind of weird. And then the pre-order starts on the 11th of August, August yeah. and then yeah, starts shipping on the 25th. Yeah. So the Flip 5 is, nearest makes no difference, 30K, 29999. And the um, Fold 5 is 45999. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very expensive. Yeah, how do we feel about that, aside from it being very expensive? On the Fold, it's not that I don't mind, but I was expecting that already. Yeah. On the Flip, I'm a little bit puzzled. I, I understand why, because um, the, the Flex window is... Uh, Far larger than it's ever been before, the, but it's eight thousand rand more expensive. And but also, I think it's from a internal specification standpoint. Mm. Uh, the flip was never close to what the kind of leading S series is. Yeah, this that's not the now case. It yet. Is, now now yeah. it's kind of on par with those phones. So maybe that's the reason why. But again, thirty thousand rand for a foldable phone is a hard sell in my view to any Gen Zer. I mean, so uh, okay, so if you lost of what we're talking about, Samsung spent a lot of time. Um, during media briefings, talking about how they are aiming this phone at Gen Z, mm. um, which, if you're not aware, is anybody born from the, after the year 2000? Yeah, right? after the year 2000. So that would mean that the oldest Gen Z at the moment is 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is, my math is incredible. Just so everybody <laughs> knows. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know of any 23-year-olds that are making enough money to justify paying 30K on a phone at the cheapest. So we've kind of spoken about this at length in, internally. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, well, at least from Samsung's kind of view, uh, I chatted to one of the execs, and he was explaining to me that, one, they don't see it as far as uh, the 30,000 rand. They see it in terms of contract pricing. Mm, yeah. And they have tried, well, them, Samsung, and along with the networks, have tried to make it a bit more palatable with 36-month-long contracts. That doesn't work in my view. Oof, yeah. Um, that's insane. Though. Because I don't like spending money. <laughs> but um, apparently the, that's kind of the thinking there. The other aspect, and this is going to be critical for them, is trade-ins. Mm. They yeah. are hoping that they're going to be a hell of a lot of trade-ins. Uh, I think uh, stands to be correct, but I think up to ten thousand rand, depending on the device and its the the, uh, the condition. The condition of it. Mm. I forgot the word condition. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that knocks off a bit more of the price. That said. It's still a lot of money, yeah. And yeah. you have to factor in. Okay, we have even factored in the fact that um, there's no charger in the box. You'll have to buy, buy that again. Mm. Um, also, there's no cover in the box. You have to get your no own cover, cover yeah. whatsoever. So not, I'm not even talking about the generic plastic one. There's zero cover, so you'll have to buy something for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and it has to be a, a special cover. The folds have special covers from yeah. Samsung, yeah, because you can't just go to the random shop and get. Yeah, you'll cover. you'll you'll struggle to find third, third party, party yeah. third party options. Yeah. Uh, on the covers, though, I really thought that the um, the flip suit is mm. really cool. Yes. So what that is is um, it's a clear protective cover, but that's not the cool part. So it has these NFC-based cards um, that you kind of slip into the back of the of the of the cover itself, mm. 
and then it kind of automatically transforms the UI and the look and feel of the phone's software, yeah. according to the card. I think that's really cool. Um, and when I spoke to Samsung about it, they said they are looking to work with local creatives or artists around that. And we could do something in the next two to three months, which I think will be really awesome because we always complain about localization and sometimes trying to do something about mm, it. Yeah. How many artists uh, and when precisely it's going to happen, they haven't mentioned yet, but it is something in the so works. What I think is cool about this, though, is that for Samsung, the most cost that they would have to spend is on printing of these NFC cards. Yeah. It's not like they're pr printing whole phone cases, which I think is a better solution in terms of like collaborating and gives them more scope to collaborate with more artists. Um, but I'm with you, Robin. I think that's like the coolest thing of this whole thing. That was pretty, those, that was pretty awesome. Those in NFC covers. Because like I explained to Samsung um, when I saw them recently, it's like the problem is, is that you buy this cover and then it locks you to this cover. Like I don't want to have toxic smiley faces for the rest of my life like maybe one day i want to have sad crow you know sure. and then i can swap it out and then everybody will know oh brendan's in his sad crow day yeah. you know? <laughs> right. um so yeah i think however the one thing that we need to not forget about is that the target market of these phones mm. is the same target market of apple Right, because yeah. these are very, very expensive phones. The the Flip Five costs as much as an iPhone 14 Pro Max. And if I were a Gen Z that was concerned with what my uh, outward appearance is, mm -hmm. I would probably go with the iPhone, just because it's kind of the seen as a premium upper echelons handset mm. rather than Samsung Fold. But maybe that's what Samsung's trying to change here. Well, there's another reason why these companies are targeting the Gen Zers, right? Apart from, you know, the coolness thing or whatever. Mm. Is that the, the Gen Z population, and I, this, I've heard this in, or I've read this in press releases from other companies and in other, other companies have said this, that the, it's expected, especially in Africa, yeah. it's expected to be the largest portion of the population in, in, in the future. There'll be more Gen Zers than millennials, and so it'll, it's like a forward-thinking thing. Okay. They want to hit the market while it's still growing, eventually to have it a larger market later on. That's even I think it was TM Rowe or uh, no, it was the head of Samsung South Africa during the the presentation, yeah. um, the event. He, he was like, no, um, Africa, it will have uh, a larger population of of under 25s than every other continent on Earth, right? Okay. So. It's like, again, it's a, a bigger market, right? Than, than the other, like, Look, the millennials and, right? Makes sense. But yeah, I hear what's that. the buying power of that market? Yeah, because how many question. of those people can afford a house, can afford a car? Can afford to eat meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, it just, it just feels misguided. Mm. And maybe, or maybe it's just the whole economy, right? Right. Is that. Like you have these executives, and I'm not throwing shade to Samsung now. Mm. I'm speaking in broad generalities here. But I often feel like C-suite executives have very little understanding of what the average person uh, goes through on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, I saw an advert this morning, we laughed about it in the office, where Old Mutual was listing the price of ingredients in a recipe and was saying that garlic costs 36 rand. Mm. And like, I don't know where they're shopping, but that's not the price of garlic, especially not as much garlic as you need for one recipe. Yeah. Unless you're a garlic girl and you're putting a whole head of garlic in every recipe. <laughs> that's too much garlic. That's too much garlic. They're probably shopping at, uh, what's that place called? Pantry. 
Oh gosh. I don't even know. But you see, this is the problem, right? I feel like the executives have an idea of what Gen Z is. Mm. Um, like making all this money on NFTs and what and cryptocurrency, but in actuality, that's like a very small percentage of this 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 group. Uh, the rest are like currently experiencing the anxiety of what it's like to have a student loan. Right. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if they if a premium smartphone like this is ready to be aimed at a Gen Z. I don't know. So another thing that kind of stood out for me for the, from the launch event, uh, so th- in terms of the people who buy these, who actually buy these phones, Samsung had a metric up and I took a picture. Um, so that apparently uh, the people who buy the flips are younger and yeah. it's more women who yeah. buy them. And the people who buy the folds are older and it's more men who buy them. So, the, okay. so um, you can see from the marketing that sometimes they want to sell the flips to women, right? Yeah. Um, even like how col- like even in the actual presentation itself, how com- how many colors and, and yeah. how many like female faces were on the screen when dealing with the flip? And when you get to the fold, it's like super serious, serious business. Yeah, business time. Yeah. <laughs> business time. <laughs> so like they're clearly aiming for those demographics, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why the fold is less. Is is more you know calm and collected and you know it's the darker tones and maybe I mean that's why they don't have mint on the <laughs> the, the, the famous mint <laughs> colorway, but yeah I mean I, I think it's cool uh, let's let's talk a bit about the other stuff that they announced which was the Watch Six and the Watch Six Classic and then the Tab series mm. uh, any interest in those so the Watch Six is massive oh really it's a big watch. Okay. Right. So if you, I mean, uh, I think I, th- I think it was Xiaomi or something like the Usually the smart watches get kind of small. Even the Apple yeah. Watch is small. The yeah. Watch Six is is quite large on your wrist, okay. right? Obviously they have a have a nice OLED screen. It looks mm-hmm. great, um, but it's a big phone. I mean, it's a big watch. <laughs> it's a big watch. The phone will, the, you can get the big phone otherwise. But yeah, it's a big watch. Uh, so I suppose if you are interested in the Watch Six in the new Samsung watch, you have to kind of Take that into consideration, that it's not a, a little dainty appliance. It's a it's a big thing on your wrist. And the the turning the bezel the bezel for the classic. What do, what does that do? It's it's nice. Uh, it's like a it's just a tactile thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. It no, it, it, it does have some does. navigation have, elements yeah. to it, like the kind of digital crown on an Apple Watch. Okay. Yeah. So you as you turn the bezel to the right, you kind of flip through oh, the okay. the little right. apps. So it's like a little like a the old school Apple iPod. Yeah, yeah, so similar to that. Yeah. Okay. And it's cool to play with, and it's you know it's interesting. Uh, it's you'll pay a lot more for it though. Yeah. And uh, for the Watch Six, the Watch Six is more expensive than the Watch. I mean, the Watch, the watch Six Classic, Classic is more expensive yeah. than the Watch Six. So like, I guess if you're interested in, uh, what is that thing called? The the, the crowd, the bezel, no, rotating the, bezel. Those those little toys. The, oh, fidget toys. The, if you're interested in fidgeting with the bezel, then you know. So uh, the, I think the only thing that really matters though is battery life, and if they can't compete with Huawei, which has what like two weeks yeah. on the run with their like premium smartwatches, I don't I don't think Samsung can really compete. I suppose it's nice if you're in the eco Samsung ecosystem. Yeah, they did show off a feature where you can have your your Watch Six kind of uh, as a viewfinder for mm. the Flip Five. So you can operate it remotely as yeah. the camera and stuff like that. And it's also, I think it's also telling that they have features now that I feel like the Apple Watch has had for a while, like um, uh, fall detection, which I think was on like the Apple Watch Series 2 or 3. Um, 
Yeah, I think I guess it's just wearable. The tabs look interesting. I don't know if they are very good. I mean, they're running the same hardware as the phones now. That's the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose only the Ultra is the one I'm interested, which is the Massive. 14 points, I think it's 14.5 inches. Um, it seemed like they're also aiming that at Gen Z based on the marketing material. Yeah, like, I'm not too sure if they're really interested in it. What confused me was that it felt like they were targeting iPad users with like the 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 S Pen now being or the old the slim S Pen mm, now being bundled in there, like sort of kind of saying to artists, hey, you don't need to use the Apple Pencil, you can you can use this, which charges on the device. Uh, don't use Apple stuff. It feels like they're doing that, especially with like some of the collaborations that they have in terms of their um, in terms of the applications. Though some of them I've never heard, like Luma Fusion. What? What is that? Uh, oh, it's video editing software. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, is there anybody using that? I feel like everybody's so, using Final Cut or Premiere. Yeah, I'm yet to see someone using a tablet to edit video. Yeah, especially like 4K video. Or to design fashion clothes and stuff. I mean, a lot of these time, these marketing presentations, they're showing these things that they, you can do on these. I'm like, does anyone actually do this? Do you yeah. know what I've done with a tablet in my many years of using them? Mm. Watched videos. You watched YouTube that's what I've done. Yeah. Didn't even play video game yeah. or games or anything on them. It was literally just a nice way to watch content. So, talking about the, uh, the slim S Pen, yeah. another thing they kept showing with the tablet, and even at the, the launch event, mm. they had them out, and each one of the tablets had the extra keyboard with them. The, okay. the ones that they had for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for the use for the, the people soft to, keyboard yeah the soft keyboard yeah and even in the in the presentation video they also showed a, a person working with the keyboard and if you didn't kind of know that Samsung didn't have notebooks they do though just not in South Africa yeah. well, well maybe maybe that's what they're working on you know no they're not we've asked them many times I've asked Samsung South Africa many times if they plan to bring well, well maybe the tablet don't. is is kind of like look we kind of have something like a I think that is the idea there is that yeah. rather than bringing notebooks to South Africa and competing in that space where you have like Acer, Lenovo, HP, like Asus, all those places that offer like really good premium stuff. Yeah. Like Samsung doesn't really fit in there. It doesn't really find a home in my opinion, especially when you've got stuff like HP and HP Spectre, you know, or the MacBooks. Mm. Like it doesn't really fit somewhere. So I feel like them bringing those tablets and making them ever bigger and more mm. powerful is like you say, it's a sign that maybe, oh, hey, don't look, buy a yeah, laptop. Look, you don't need a laptop. You can you know? just buy a Just laptop. get a soft keyboard and, and, and... Yeah, except until you want to play games or do anything Windows related. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot announced. Um, I'm probably more excited to see what Samsung does next year with its S series. Um, because that's where I think we're going to see a lot more um, technological advancements. Uh, maybe less on the software side, more on like display technology. Um, maybe we can move the fingerprint sensor away from beneath the screen, Samsung. You know, just on the side, like your foldables now. You know, the correct position for fingerprint scanners. Um, but yeah, uh, I want I want to see how well these perform locally, especially in the market that we have. Where uh, how many brands now have foldables here? So it's Samsung, Oppo. Huawei. Huawei. And then uh, Vivo said, told me uh, that they were looking at bringing foldables. So that's and Honor next year as well. Five. So it's getting quite crowded. And those, those other manufacturers are known for 
delivering tech that's more affordable yeah. and that packs a heavy punch. So Well, we say that the Oppo Find N2 Flip is also yeah. 30K. So okay. I don't know if Samsung saw that price and like, hey, we can get away with 30K as well. Yeah. So, so um, in that sense then, I mean, would, who would choose the Oppo over the Samsung, you know? Yeah, I'd pick the Samsung. Only, Just because of my experience with Samsung. Only someone that didn't know the Samsung one was coming, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's uh, Samsung's latest announcements from Unpacked. Um, we'll, we have a hub on our website. We'll yes. link to that. Uh, and then you can see everything related to Unpacked for July 2023. Right. Let's move on to the uh, topic of today's Africast, which is stuff that we're looking forward to in August. Um, and there's quite a few notable uh, notable releases yeah, it's a, coming. It's a good in month. August. For it, is, it is, especially after July when it was quiet, yeah, and I felt did. like I was reaching for content. Um, but let's start with you, Robin. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, that's coming in August? So I haven't chosen a game because uh, my learned colleagues have chosen games. <laughs> uh, nothing else really kind of stood out for me. But uh, I have chosen something old. And something nostalgic and then something new. So for the old one, uh, excuse the pun, it's the remastered version of Old Boy. Um, so it's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Anyone that's kind of a cinephile or knows about um, cinema will know about Old Boy. It's a South Korean kind of cult classic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, neo-noir, lots of action, uh, just just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. Um, so like I said, it's celebrating its 20th anniversary, and for that, um, South Africans will be able to go to theatres again to watch the remastered version. Uh, that's going to be happening on the 16th of August. The are only a handful of cinemas that are going to be making it available, however. Um, so... Uh, a handful of stochinical ones, so one in uh, Rosebank, that's the Rosebank uh, Cinema Nouveau one, uh, Brooklyn, Sterling, Eastgate, Gateway, and the V&A Waterfront. Also, if you're in Cape Town, uh, you can go to the Labia Theatre to check it out. And if you're in Joburg, uh, the Bioscope, which is obviously in Mabining, you can go check it out there on the 16th of August. At the time of recording, uh, unfortunately, can't book tickets yet, so we don't know how much it's going to cost. Uh, but it is already listed on Stokinical's website. You can have a look there and kind of see uh, kind of how you're going to plan your viewing. We're also not too sure if it's for the day only or the, if Stokinical is potentially planning to extend the, the viewings. Uh, but if you are in South Africa on 16th August and you do want to watch a really, really great film, I highly recommend going to check out Old Boy um, and to kind of forget the Josh Brolin version that was directed by Spike Lee <laughs> that came out 10 years ago. That is a travesty. The original is superior in every single facet. Um, then kind of sticking with movies, um, this is my kind of nostalgic pick, and that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Uh, quite the mouthful, but it is a, a new animated version of the, of the, the, I guess the 90s series that everyone kind of, everyone at least in my age bracket, uh, fell in love with. Um, and yeah, kind of Seth Rogen, he's not directing, but he is kind of the producer here and he's kind of been kind of at the forefront of getting this project up and running. Um, he is also going to be voicing one of the mutants, uh, none, of the, none of the turtles. The interesting part about, I guess, this project 
is that the the voice actors that are voicing the the turtles are actual teenagers, which, oh, is, a, which is, I think is a refreshing yeah. first. Interesting. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, a lot of the time you'll have 30-year-old men kind of <laughs> talking about... <laughs> we're teenagers. Yeah, talking about pizza and saying cowabunga. So, cowabunga. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the film is going to be coming out on 11th August. Um, it's one that I'm kind of, kind of marked out on my calendar just for the pure nostalgia. Uh, from what I've seen in the trailers... Uh, animation looks really kind of cool and interesting. Um, I saw a kind of behind the scenes development video and they kind of mentioned that the art style, uh, I forgot the name of it, but they, they kind of described it as the kind of art you see that people draw when they're doing doodles in the margins of their, of their textbooks and things like okay. that. That's kind of what's, what's inspired it. Um, so yeah, from, from that perspective is quite interesting. I think there are a lot of animated films at the moment that are kind of kind of pushing the boundaries as far as what people normally think about when they think about animation. Mm. Uh, I think a lot about um, Into the Spider-Verse, yeah, Across the Spider-Verse. Movies, yeah, right? I, th- I think they kind of really set the bar really high as far as what animation can look like and is allowed to look like. Yeah, and, and be, and be uh, commercially successful as well, yeah. right? Yeah. So but Be creative. Hell, I mean, you have this medium where you can True. literally do stuff that nobody <laughs> else can do. Do it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, like I said, Seth Rogen is going to be involved. Uh, John Cena is voicing the character. Paul Rudd, um, Ice Cube is playing the villain. Superfly. There's a, the, the list is is incredibly long as far as uh, how many heavy hitters are going to be voicing characters in the, in the film. And yeah, really looking forward to that one. The final pick. Uh, from my side is a series and it is a divisive one it is the live action one piece um, trailers have dropped for this this property uh, for uh, via Netflix's uh, YouTube channel and uh, because we don't know what the dislike button is doing these days we don't know what the real reaction is um, uh, I've seen both trailers the first one felt a little bit fan-made. The second one seemed a little bit better. Um, but I am still on the fence about this project. Um, it, it's going to be airing on Netflix from the 31st of August. There are only eight episodes in the, the first season. And that's a little concerning considering the fact that One Piece, at least the animated series, has more than a thousand episodes. Yeah. What? It's famously yeah. like enormously long. Yeah. Like, and the creator of the show has also said like the first thousand episodes, I haven't even. We're only getting started. Oh God. So, as far as a property that people want to get invested in and kind of stick with, I'm a little concerned because Netflix does have a history. Uh, when it comes to especially uh, anime adaptations, mm. it's a one and done kind of thing. Especially live, and they don't have a very good reputation as regards live action remakes. Mm. Yeah, of I, anime, I still right? wake up in yeah. a cold sweat about uh, the Cowboy Bebop. Uh, oh. I don't want to even think about it anymore. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, the odds are really kind of against Netflix and this this cast of characters. When it comes to the One Piece show, that said, I will give it its due diligence. I will watch the first couple of episodes and see what it's like. Um, and I, again, I'm kind of interested to see what they kind of cram into the first eight episodes because you have to do a lot of world building. Also, when, you, when your main character is a, a young man in a straw hat whose powers look like uh, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's... And he's 
and I guess the whole look of all the characters are a bit out there and weird. Mm. You have to you, you have to ask a lot from your audience. So I'm interested to see how Netflix Netflix uh, watchers who can be a little fickle as well, yeah, uh, how they'll kind of stick with the, with, with the show. So um, 31st August, that's the live action One Piece. Um, yeah, that's kind of my three picks. Cool, Louis. What have you got for us? Uh, okay, I shall start with a film. Uh, we're going back to DC for this one, for yeah. the DC uh, the, the film universe. I know the, the last uh, uh, effort with The Flash didn't go down so well, uh, both critically and commercially. Did you see the CGI? <laughs> My lord. So, so bad. So bad. Why do they all look like Lord Farquhar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So, so let's hope this, uh, this one will be a bit better. So on... Uh, on the 18th of August, uh, 2023, is when Blue Beetle is coming, is hitting uh, theaters. Who? Blue Beetle. Who's the Blue Beetle? The Blue Beetle. Well, there's a few Blue Beetles. Okay. This one will be the uh, ultimate, the, the last Blue Beetle. Um, Jaime Reyes. So yeah. he's a he's a Latino kid, um, and okay. he finds the. Uh, so the Blue Beetle has undergone a lot of uh, red cons throughout <laughs> its, uh, <laughs> its history. It's a little bit of a C, you know, C class hero for okay. for DC. They have DC has a lot of. Uh, I almost said a bad word. These have a lot of uh, poor heroes. Yeah. Um, How know, dare you, sir? <laughs> How uh, dare you? The, the, uh, a lot of them, I, the names I forget. You know, it's not always just the. the I mean, okay. The you Justice League. You know what? If Ant Man can become a commercial success, no. why not Blue Beetle? Why not the Blue Beetle, right? Well, the, this this Blue Beetle is cool now. You know, he's cool now. He has oh, okay. he has alien powers and he has like rockets on his back and stuff and you know and I mean, in the Injustice games he you know does cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the uh, DC animated uh, movies and in the show, TV shows, it's also really cool. Like the Teen, the teen Titans TV show, there's Blue Beetle and it's really great. Um, so uh, back on the film. So this one will be a live action Blue Beetle. Um, it's supposed to be a... Yeah, I don't know what it is about movies nowadays. And they all have to be about family. Right? Thank you, thank you, Vin Diesel. Yeah, <laughs> right? thank you, Vin Diesel. Like, why, does, why does every movie have to be about family? So this movie is about a Latino family, right? The director, Angel Manuel Soto, he's uh, Puerto Rican, and uh, he says that the, the basically the premise of the movie is that a Latino family is at its core. And, well, uh, Jaime Reyes finds the alien scarab of the Blue Beetle and it bonds with his body, and he becomes a blue beetle, and he goes on this adventure. Um, and I guess that's cool, you know. It sounds like Trump's worst nightmare. Um, yeah, just a bunch of Mexicans, uh, you know, <laughs> on screen. Um, it kind of like when I think of the blue beetle. So the the last blue beetle, and maybe I'm taking this too too far or too long. But the last blue beetle. It's all about how he doesn't, he's, he's forced to be the Blue Beetle, right? Because yeah. the alien thing that makes him, gives him his superpowers, yeah. is kind of, it's like a parasite oh, attached so to his like body. it attaches to yes. you. You don't have a choice. Right. Okay. And he's, his whole thing is that he now has to learn how to control this thing. Or it will control him. And, mm. the, and it's like an evil alien thing. Okay. So he's always constantly in that fight between, you know... Controlling the Blue Beetle and not. Is, is Eminem doing a song for this for this movie? <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like Eminem's doing a song for this one. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the trailer, the trailer looked okay. The action was fine. Uh, the main villain looks like uh, someone who has the yellow beetle instead of the blue beetle. You know, he also has like a, a suit with the alien. Oh. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it, it's. 
I'm, you know, this. I think this movie is also pre-James Gunn DC. Yeah. So I don't know when we're going to get to those movies, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, with the current strike on, never. Damn it. <laughs> so uh, uh, let's see what DC can, can kind of... You know what? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going gonna, I'm to be brave, and I'm going to say that Blue Beetle is the movie that saves the DC cinematic universe. Damn. I'm, I'm going out there and saying it. Because it's so unassuming, nobody's expecting anything of it, and I mean, this cast looks pretty good. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm giving it I'm I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. I'm saying that this is going to be the movie that rescues the DC cinematic. I'll, I'll be interested to watch it and see if it does. Does Blue Beetle even have a future? What do you mean? Well, we mentioned James Gunn. Yes. Does he? Does this character actually feature in any? I mean, it's all about money, bro. Well, they, well yeah, <laughs> but it depends on how it does, right? Um, I did read that they're thinking of making a trilogy out of the Blue Beetle. Mm. You know, we'll see how that if they manage that. Obviously, they wanna they wanna do things with the heroes with the IPs. You know? Yeah, like Batgirl. Yeah, we arrested. Rest At least this one's going to hit <laughs> the, the the silver screen. Yeah, <laughs> unless something changes. Unless something changes the next uh, few weeks. Uh, okay, and then the and the, the then we go to series. So we, we're talking about uh, Netflix. Uh, I'm going to do a Disney Plus series. Um, and that is a new Star Wars thing. It's the Ahsoka series on Disney Plus. It's coming out on the 23rd of August. Um, the trailer uh, shows off a lot. A lot is happening. Uh, Ahsoka is yet another Jedi that survived the Jedi Purge. There's, yeah, they didn't do a good job. Right? <laughs> so many Jedi survived. There's, yeah, there's a lot of Jedis. Order sixty six clearly didn't work. Yeah, I mean, from the from the video games, the you know, Cal Kestis, he survived, and now Ahsoka, and every, every, there's so many Jedi, right? Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I watched the movie, I thought all the Jedi got it, but apparently not. But uh, yeah, so was there one called the Last Jedi? I feel like. Uh, yes, that, right, one, the, one of the one of the Rise of Skywalker. We we tried to forget about those ones. <laughs> Um, it stars Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. Oh, cool! Um, which it's the, so the story of Ahsoka is kind of maybe just not the the in universe story, which is also really cool because she's uh, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, so she's Darth Vader's apprentice, right? His only apprentice, if you don't count Star Killer from the from the the games. Star Wars Unleashed. Yes, uh, those are not canon, by the way. But yeah, uh, so Darth Vader's only apprentice, and and she's actually really powerful, and so that's basically the story. But the fact that this is a character that was kind of made for the animated series mm. that was so popular that fans kind of brought her into live action. Yeah. Um, it, would, it might have not have been possible without Disney+, Plus, without Disney's in- eternal hunger for content, yeah. right? It might not have been possible. But uh, it is, it's coming out, and uh, Star Wars fans are excited, and uh, well, hopefully they're excited, otherwise it's kind of a waste, but... I mean, I have the same rule with uh, Rosario Dawson as I do with Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I'll watch it if they're in it. Sure. Does not matter. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hope it's good. Uh, I'm sure whenever Ahsoka is on screen, it'll be good. Yeah. The problem will be the, all the other parts, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's coming on 23rd of August. Uh, I am tentatively excited. Hopefully, it's uh, Mandalorian season one and two good, and not you know Book of Boba Fett. Gosh. Or Mandalorian season three. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's uh, we, we can look forward to that. And then uh, to wrap up, uh, there's a game that's coming out this month, uh, Baldur's Gate three. 
which is coming out on the 3rd of August on PC and 6th of September on PS5. So we've all heard about games get delayed, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a rare instance where a game was pushed up. Right? What? Yeah. So it was supposed to come out uh, later on in August, and uh, Larian Studios were like, actually, it's it's good enough that we can move up the date to the 3rd of August. So uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is the third uh, I don't know, iteration or sequel to the Baldur's Gate series, which Baldur's Gate it was made by BioWare before uh, EA bought them and turned them into... Bioware. <laughs> so back when Bioware was young and hungry, right? Yeah. They, they they had the Dungeons and Dragons IP and they made a role playing game, and uh, basically the whole point of the of the early games, even though the graphics weren't that great or you know all that stuff, was that you can basically do whatever you want. Mm. You can make whatever character you want, and you can really go on this adventure, and you can do any, anything you want. Like it was a very open kind of system. I um, mean, looks like uh, Larian Studios are doing the same thing with this one, which will be interesting because. After a certain time, like period, role-playing games kind of became less and less and less about, you know, you can do whatever you want and more about, you know, you get to play this character and you get to kind of make these choices, like the illusion of choice. The Mass Effect mm. 3, do you want the red ending, the green ending, or the blue ending, yeah. right? Uh, which everyone was very upset about. Um, so hopefully with a lot more choices, that will be really cool. I know uh, there's kind of been a, re a revival of these games. Disco Elysium did really well, yeah. and that's all about choices, and, and it's not really about combat, but more about you know the role-playing itself. Um, so hopefully Baldur's Gate 3, sans Bioware, can do something interesting and something cool. I know um, the, the devs kind of showed off all the kind of crazy things you can do in the game, mm -hmm. um, like the, with the romances and stuff. I know yeah. it became very popular that you can, if you're playing as a, as a druid, you can just play the whole game as a bear, right. as a wild-shaped bear, including the romance scenes, right? <laughs> so the cinematics where you, you and your 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 companion and companion are doing the things. Furries rise up. So yeah, so that's crazy. That's crazy. And that, by the way, just kind of going behind the curtain, that bear thing, where they showed off that you can be with the bear. Yeah. You can get dirty with the bear. Yeah. Has done more for that game's marketing <laughs> than the last three years of, you know, really cool, like, uh, illithid, you know, creatures and really awesome cinematic. That bear stuff was yeah. what <laughs> kind of put it over the edge. So it shows you how the internet works. I mean, Larian also does have a good track record when it comes to this sort of game yep. with uh, Divinity, Original Sin, and then the sequel. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to see this. I say yes to role-playing games, and uh, yeah. When does it launch? It launches. If my laptop can just, uh, it launches on the third of August on PC, <laughs> and the sixth of September on PS5. Fantastic. Right, I'm going to uh, run through my choices for uh, August, starting off with a big dumb movie in The Meg 2, The Trench. Uh, um, yeah. If you don't know what The Meg is, uh, it's a movie about a megalodon shark. Uh, this is now the sequel, which is releasing on 4th of August in the US. Uh, it stars Jason Statham as Jonas Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> a more nondescript name they could never come up with. Yeah. Anyway, Jonas Taylor leads a research team for some reason uh, on an exploratory dive to the deepest depths of the ocean. Uh, and if you watch the first movie, 
is a whole uh, theory that below the ocean, the ocean floor is not actually the floor. It's a cloud of sediment. And if you can descend through it, you'll discover a whole new biome. Um, and that's where they discovered the Megalodon has been hiding. So hollow earth theories again. Uh, almost. It's more like hollow seafloor theory. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and now uh, the sequel sees a mining operation now threatening this ecosystem and letting loose a whole bunch of megs. Um, and then obviously chaos ensues. Uh, and it's a big dumb action movie about a big dumb shark that doesn't actually exist. Nice. What I am excited for though is uh, people using clips from the movie as proof that the Megalodon <laughs> exists. Um, I feel like that happened when the first movie launched. It was a lot of fun. I mean, doesn't just say it doesn't. Just. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, the oceans continue to be unexplored. I think it, we've only really mapped out 2% of the oceans or something like that. Yeah, we don't, we don't know a lot about the ocean. Uh, obviously, Jason Statham is, uh, is the star of, of, this, of this film. Um, and yeah, we expect him to be jumping around on uh, jet skis and shooting sharks with, uh, what, what are they called? Harpoons. <laughs> it's going to be stupid. And I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, in terms of series, though, getting a bit more serious, um, there's another Netflix original arriving in August. It's called Painkiller. Arrives on Netflix on the 10th of August. It tells the story of the uh, Sadler family. Um, in this day, the Sackler family. Uh, and they are behind Purdue Pharmaceuticals, which is widely credited or accused of causing the, um, the Oxycontin uh, pandemic in the US. Um, basically, this entire family built its empire on pain medication, um, which people got uh, addicted to uh, because it contained opioids. Um, it stars Uzo Abuda as Eddie, who is the investigative journalist following the story. Um, you might recognize her from Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. um, and then Matthew Broderick as Richard Sackler, which I think is a really cool casting decision um, because he's such a nice, approachable, approachable guy and actually he's playing one of the allegedly more evil people in this world. So that should be quite interesting. Um, it's based on the book, The Family That Built an Empire of Pain by Richard Keefe, um, as well as Painkiller and Empire of Deceit and the Origin of America's Opioid Epidemic by Barry Mayer. Um, as I mentioned, it's a Netflix original uh, and it premieres on Netflix on August 10th, 2023. Uh, finally, for game, this one has been in waiting for a very long time. Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon from the creators of Dark Souls, which is what everybody knows them for, although Armored Core is one of their core games as well, yeah. from software, is finally giving us a sequel to this game. The, the first one since 2013, that's 10 years. Yep. And it's releasing on August 25th, when it was announced last year during the Game Awards. Um, so if you don't know, Armored Core is a mech game where you take control of an armored mech uh, and you fight other armored mechs. Uh, the mechs are called Armored Cores and uh, you have weapon slots and you have to kind of lay waste to your enemies. Armored Core 6 is set on a planet called Rubicon where humanity has uh, found a new energy source called Coral and you have to go and uh, investigate this. You take control of an augmented human-designated C4-621, 
under the borrower code name Raven, and you have to explore this planet. And uh, this week we've got uh, some early footage of the game, and it looks gorgeous, yeah, it looks first really of all. Um, the Rubicon planet looks amazing. It's like this planet that has a shell over it from like industrialization and you land on this planet and it's just hostile towards you. Uh, you fight huge machines. Uh, it just looks fantastic. It looks like it's got that, that fantastic from software juice, you know, that... Um, the special sauce. Yeah, that's that, that challenging yet satisfying combat where once you've beaten one of these huge things, you just feel satisfied and like you have actually done something um i'm incredibly excited for this it's releasing on all platforms so no exclusive uh, obviously if you're on switch you're not going to play this yet yeah. um and it releases on august 25th uh this year um i'm i'm super excited for this although i am also hoping that at the same time they don't announce oh hey elden ring dlc is coming are they around the same time around in december because mm. september because you know you don't need time. You don't <laughs> yeah. need hobbies. Um, so yeah, I'm really, 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 really excited for this. And uh, you should be too. It's, it looks fantastic. And because it's a From Software game, I am expecting there to be like a, a well that stretches down to the core of the earth full of lore. Um, and yeah, it, it looks great. Um, but yeah, that's our picks for this month. Uh, for August. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in. Good month. Uh, yeah. Much better than July. Much, well, much better than well, July. Well, it hasn't started yet. Let's just... Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe everything we picked is terrible. Although I, don't, can, I failed to see how the Meg is going to be terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but from myself, Brendan Lodge, Cheerio from Louis Monzon. Bye, guys. And from Romney Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.